Hey, welcome to episode four of the 2021 Draft Champions podcast. I'm here with Drew Morris from Common Sense Fantasy Baseball. Um, what's going on? Hey, man. Thanks for having me back. 2021. Welcome to the future, everybody. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, why, don't you, uh, why don't you just say where you're, where you're from on Twitter? Yeah, you can find me at Common Sense FBB. Uh, my little brand, I guess, is Common Sense Fantasy Baseball. And I love interacting on Twitter. Uh, I've been sort of just tweeting out some very, very early draft prep thoughts. Like lately, it's been like graphs of how people have uh, progressed or regressed in their launch angle. So you can find me there. That's probably the best place. I have a podcast of the same name. So that's great. And uh, that, well, you just, you just had me on your podcast and, and your, and your brand's growing quite nicely. I remember um, you came on this, well, you, this is your, I think um, second or third time on, on this podcast. I don't, I don't, I don't remember. I don't remember yeah. if it's your second or third, but I've been well, on your podcast. Technically the third. Cause I remember the two of us interviewed Alex fast. That was awesome. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, so yeah. So I remember uh, the first time you were on last year and you, you've, um, you've gained quite a bit of followers since then. You've almost doubled you almost doubled your followers since then. So give, give Drew a follow on uh, like, uh, like, uh, at the handle that he just mentioned. And let's get into this. We're going to talk about um, this episode is going to be about um, what can you expect? Um, what can you expect from uh, in early draft champions leagues in, in the NFBC? So um, I'm trying to think about how I can help. Um, maybe, maybe I'm not the best analyst. I'm not the best person you'd want to listen to in terms of, um, which players you want to target, uh, draft strategy. But what I definitely can help you is what you can expect to happen in your first DC with no ADP. Because I've done three $150 DCs already, and I have the ADP from those from those drafts sorted that we're going to look at today. So this is going to be because it's not it's not only about drafting is so much more than just analysis and which players you want to target this year and when you want to target them. But it's also about what, knowing what your opponents are going to do and where you where you should expect or where where you need to anticipate getting these players or or getting or filling these spots, filling these roster spots. So that's really what we're going to get into. But um, and that's um, really one of the first things that that I want to look at when I prep. Um, that, that's going to help. But um, Drew, what do you, what do you do? What's usually your process like? Your off season process like when you really start getting into things um, like around around this time. Yeah. So right now. Um, I have only done the mock draft, which I know you have your opinions about. <laughs> and uh, I wish I could have gotten into one of yours, but I just uh, traveled a little bit and haven't had the time. I've kind of been, you know, still ramping up for the for when NFBC um, draft champions drafts start. And probably, I guess, about a week now. I know they're targeting um, very early in December. So, I mean, in November. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's when they <laughs> – I know I was drafting in November last year. I don't know. I don't remember exactly when in November, but it was definitely November. So, so my prep, um, I guess you can't really call it prep, but when, when I, when I do my first DC, my process will sort of evolve from there. Um, but I, I really love that you've done these early ones and, and sort of started to get a handle on ADP. Cause I think, you know, a lot of it, analysis of players is part of it but like you said the other part is how you build your team and, and which kind of you know if you're, are you targeting hitting or pitching in certain rounds and so I think that's just as if not more important than getting the right players now if you get Justin Verlander in 60% of your leagues like I did last year and then he plays one game uh you know that hurts but um, I, that's uh that's actually one of the sort of 
strategy points I've thought about going into this season is I'm going to do a little more diversification, especially early. But I, I, I do, I have, uh, the prep that I have done is, is just player analysis. And I have I actually do sort of a ranking on my own kind of a projections. Um, and, you know, I know that's kind of, a lot of people say, oh, that's a waste of time because you just can wait for Steamer to come out. But, you know, you and me, uh, we, we like to draft as early as we can. So I want to have something of my own kind of at the ready so I know, I know that I'm paying a reasonable price when I, when I draft, when I start drafting. So now you have your projections, you say. Now, how do you, how do you um, apply those projections? So how do you – like, do you, do you have any prep for – team construct so when you're gonna when you're gonna target because the construct is all about when you're gonna target players so do you have a construct do you, do you have sort of a mindset like oh I, I can get this position later in the draft so say like I really like um three or four outfielders that I can get past pick 250 I think so now I'm gonna wait on outfielders so how do you really prep on how do you prep for team construct or is that something that you can do yeah, well, I don't know how much you want me to get into talking about like which rounds when, but but I definitely have some some guidelines that sort of evolve over draft season. So I know now going into my first real draft that I'm going to be looking for um, some pitching, probably three at three at least starting pitchers in the first you know five to eight rounds, uh, probably as early as possible. Um, and I've got a bunch of reasons for that that we can get into whenever we talk about pitching. Uh, and then probably also um, some other guidelines about where I want to get hitters, which rounds. But, yeah, 100%. And, and just a couple quick things I've noticed from the uh, – even just the little mock draft that I did is, is hitting – there's definitely a big cliff in hitting this year. Uh, I, even, around, even by round eight or so, maybe eight or nine, I started feeling like – I am not as comfortable with the, the hitters that are available. Um, in my little mock, I managed to grab uh, Urshela and Hosmer in rounds 10 and 11. And those were two of the last hitters that I was really very high on. And then I started getting guys that, you know, I'm not really sure they're gonna, what they're going to give me, even in the early teens rounds after that. Uh, so that was interesting. And then uh, outfield seems shallower than usual. And um, uh middle infield especially drops off. So, um, you know, I, my, my middle is actually rug net door and I don't feel good about that at all. <laughs> so I got him very late. That's horrible. Yeah, it's pretty bad. And I mean, uh, really after, you know, I'm looking at, I'm looking at the second baseman, especially. So there's Albies, there's LeMahieu. And then it's, I think that's the tier, you know, and then you got Brandon Lau and Merrifield, and, you know, you're going to get different things, obviously, from them. And you got Hira and Altuve and Biggio. And it's like these, you know, none of these guys are really elite. So uh, that's an interesting position to figure out how you're going to go about it. And then after the, those guys I mentioned, I mean, it, it really falls a long way. I may be missing some, somebody. I'm just sort of looking through my mock draft. But, but yeah, no, I, I mean, your, your point is, is, is great. You really need to have sort of a, like, what am I targeting at this stage in the draft? And so. I'm going to try to be balanced through the first several rounds uh, with pitching and hitting, but you know, the key is to get enough pitching at the top because, because the difference in what you get later, um, you know, I'll, I'll throw out a random example. I drafted Luke Weaver in one league this year and I was like, I don't really even know if I like Luke Weaver. <laughs> and I mean, you know, that's the kind of, 
gamble I feel like you're taking even around, I think that was like round 12 or 13. Um, and, you know, I've, I've said plenty in the past about the pitchers you get even in round seven, eight, nine. Um, and and the, the 2019 example was you can get Nick Pavetta or you can get Shane Bieber, you know, and you just don't really know with any confidence which way they're going to turn out. So uh, I'm sure I had a 2018 example like that or a 2020 example like that, but I can't think of who it was. But um, so, yeah, the answer to your question is absolutely. Um, I, I start thinking about that. Uh, that's sort of like a separate project from my my rankings and my projections. Those are really just, hey, you know, it, if I have to decide between two players, how, how am I gonna how am I gonna list them? How am I gonna how am I gonna plan that out? You there? Yeah, sorry. I just uh, I, I just uh, I had it on mute. I'm sorry. I apologize. But yeah, that's that's um that's that's good that's good stuff. That's good interesting stuff. And I think that's what people wanted to. So that's what I that's what I'd be interested in hearing for um for how other people go about prepping. Um. So, but um, let's get into the meat of the meat of this episode. Um. What what I want to I, I sort of gave you an outline, and what what I want to focus on, just so everyone who's listening can sort of know what we're going to be talking about. I'm gonna we're we're gonna look at some guys that are looking we're. <clears throat> What can you expect in terms of um, early ADP? Because there is none right now. So when you hop into a NFBC draft champions draft, which are going to begin in any any day now, um, there won't be ADP. I, I don't know how they're, I forget how they're going to be sorted, but you're really going to have to because when I I'll tell you when I when I'm doing these three drafts, you're sort of doing them blind, especially the first maybe one or two when there there hasn't been an ADP left. Uh, I do you do have the advantage that. Uh, I did have the advantage of drafting with like the same the same guys, uh, a lot of the same players in these drafts because let's face it, a lot of the a lot of the same people are just as sick as I am, and you, you need a special person <laughs> that's going to be the, that it's going to have this big of a problem, like a big gambling problem, like like we did. So um, uh, there was a lot of overlap, so you, you you were able to you you were able to know a little bit which players are going to go because you know you get to feel that certain players like certain players, but. That, that said, um, when you go into a draft with a bunch of randoms on, on the NFBC, um, most likely, it's sort of like guys like, say, like Corey Kluber, how, how, how far is he going to fall? I had no idea where, he, like, where I should take him if I want him. Like, not to say that I want him. I'm just using him as an example. Like, really, like, I don't know if, he's, like, if I need to take him at pick 100 or 200. No fucking clue. Um, like just, I know where I, I know where I'm comfortable taking him, but if I do, if I do want him, I don't know if I'm going to have to jump where I'm comfortable taking him or if I can sort of juice that orange. Right. You, you get what I'm saying? So absolutely. Yeah. So what, what I'm going to like, what I want to look at is some, some players that are getting uh, some hitters and then some pitchers that are getting really hyped up at the end of this season or like had really good seasons and like how, like, but don't have the track record. And then we're going to look at closers, catchers, um, then we're going to look at some start, like, of course, we're going to look at the starting pitcher landscape. Then we're going to look at some, for, the, the forgotten. So guys are just like, are out of sight, out, out of mind, um, that really basically um, really didn't have a 2020. Then we're going to look at some people coming back from injuries and then some prospects. And then throughout the whole time, we're going to talk about like, where you, we're not only going to talk about where you can expect them or where you can, maybe this is a bad way of saying it, but where you need to take them. I know that's not, people probably don't like that terminology, but you know what I mean. Um, 
And then, but not only that, but you're going to, I want to, I want to focus on where you think they're going to go. So where are they now and where are they trending? Because just the way that the NFBC is, it's, it's a strange beast because you know, certain players just are going to have a trajectory of climbing, climbing, and people are going to push up against each other. So that said, let's get underway. Two hitters I want to focus on. We're going to be referencing uh, my, my, that there's, I've done three early slow drafts. So two of them I set up and then one of them, Mike the mouth set up and uh, we finished his 50 round draft in less than 36 hours, which is crazy. I've never, I've never been part of the draft that went that quickly, um, which was awesome. So we're, we're going to be looking at those ADPs and some people I, I've, I've posted some of the ADP data and some little snippets of it. Um, but really uh, I don't, I don't care. Like I'll post like the first like 23 rounds of the starters, like whatever that, that is what it is that that ADP is going to, it's going to come out eventually. But um, I'm not, I'm not posting a lot of the ADP from the later rounds because a lot of those later round targets, like in these early drafts, like I feel like you can really, snag and we're not going to get maybe we'll have another episode on that but i think i feel like you, really, you can really snag some of those values like in picks 500 to 700 i think like i think a lot of and maybe maybe i'm sort of like getting off on a tangent here that we're um, on something that we're not going to get into but i really feel like some of the players you can get in the 700s or 600s now are going to be going like in the 300s or 400s like within like a month once like all like all the experts come out with their stuff right and I just feel Absolutely. like, I feel like there, there's some obvious, obvious ones that are just like way, 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 like they're just, that's why I like getting into these drafts. Like, sure, you can fuck up like the first part of your draft and that's why you won't win. But I think there's like, what I'm, what I'm confident here is there's some obvious, like, just like gems that you can get like way, way later that just no one, no one values yet. Or, or people, maybe they do and they, and they, and everyone thinks they can just, they're underestimating their competition, but um, maybe that, that's like, that could be a whole topic for later, but I don't even know if I want to get into that yet because I still want to grab some of those guys <laughs> in my drafts. But um, <laughs> first thing, the first, the first thing I want to talk about is some, the, the, some, some really hyped um, players that, that ended well or had a really good 21 uh, that um, really don't have the track record. So they're hard to value. They're not like, they're not, they're not your sure fire stunts. And let's talk about it. Let's talk about the elephant in the room. Randy Arouse Arena. <laughs> the because, man, the myth, the legend. Yeah. These. Yeah. There's, I mean, we know what's going to happen with him. He's going to get pushed up and probably pretty quick, right? Because, I mean, anytime you have a performance like this, and I don't think there have ever been a performance like this in the postseason, but, but when you have somebody that's doing really well, uh, sort of in, right in the spotlight, uh, that's he's going to get pushed up. So, right. So I'll, I'll I'll let you know. Well, you probably have it pulled up too, but I'll let everyone know where he went in these drafts. In the first draft, he went at pick 126, and guess who got him? Fucking me, baby. I got him at 126 first draft because that's one of those guys like for, first DC of the year with like legit people, and that's what's so exciting. Like like everyone's everyone has him in their head, but where are you going to pull the trigger on him? And mm -hmm. I pulled the trigger at 126, and that I think was uh, in round nine. And that was that's and they're all like solid players in this draft. But like I think everyone in that draft now, I can guarantee it, every one of those 14 players that play, that were playing against me are thinking now, damn, should have took him earlier because mm -hmm. that's never like I got him. I got him round nine. It's fucking never happening again. 
So no, you you might have actually set the set the high on him for the whole draft season because he went around pick one ten, so just a little bit before that. In, in my mock draft, and that was before the playoffs. That's, that's you know, that's happened in very early October, so, or, you know, the very beginning of the playoffs. So his his star is rising, and he's not going to make it pack, past pick 75, probably. He's a guy that um, – and that, that, granted, that draft that we did was right when the playoffs were starting, like in the AL in – the, in the division series, so he hadn't really done what he did. But if you were paying attention to what he was doing at the end of last season, you're like, this guy is good, and a lot of people weren't. Like, I played a lot of, like, dynasty leagues with – with um with good players and players that are like guys that you know as well and i was grabbing rosarina like right in, like in the regular season in the in these dynasty leagues like uncontested um i also had him not to toot my own torn but i'm going to i had him i, dra- I had dropped him quite a bit in last year's dcs um in, around pick 500 or 600 so i, I always liked him even from um, what i saw in the initial spring training in march he had uh, he had what stuck up what really stuck out at me is is nine walks versus no strikeouts in March. And then he got, then he got COVID and then uh, he came back like, and you know, what's happened since then. But then, like you said, he was picked around 110. He, he went around 110 in, in the next DC. And um, I was, I was ready to take him there, but he got like right, right around that time. I was in reach a little bit earlier. So I think that was around eight. He went in the next draft and he went and pick on at pick 80 to, to Mike the mouth. In, in, the, in the third draft, which would be what round? That would have been like the In sixth. a 15-teamer, that would be the sixth round. And I feel like that's a, that's not going to happen either. And I said pick 75, which would be by the fifth round, but I don't even think he's going to last past the third or fourth round. Um, so the question is really just, you know, is that going to be a value at all? Is he going to be – is he even going to be worth that? And I think for me that hinges on – playing time and what he decides and what the Rays decide to do about letting him steal bases. Like if he steals 20 bases with the rest of his profile and gets 500 to 600 at bats, he's going to be, I mean, he, he could very well perform like a first rounder. Um, so he, he would, he would be a bargain. But the, the problem is I, I just never know about those things. And so if he's going in the third round or even the fourth round, it's it's a matter of can I find somebody I I feel more confident in at that point. But he's he's a true stud. I mean he's like I'm looking at his stat cast right now. He had a a very very good barrel rate, 14 per batted ball, um, eight per uh, plate appearance. Uh, he had a ball, he hit a ball 113.1 miles per hour, or yeah miles per hour. Um, which, you know, that's always a stat that I look at to tell, you know, what the true power level of somebody is. If they're hitting a ball 113, 114, 115 miles per hour or more, the power is there. And then he also got to it consistently when he hit the ball in the air with a 96.8 mile per hour uh, exit velocity on fly balls um, and line drives. So, He's a stud, I think. Uh, it's just a matter of <laughs> how early is he going to go and are you going to get any value? So I, I'm thinking – you tell me what you're thinking. I'm thinking probably fourth round right away and in, in a 15-teamer, so by pick 60. And then I think probably by, you know, near the start of the season, he'll be pushed up into the, at least the third round. I don't think he'll go that early just because there's so many good – players that you get in the third round. I don't see him going ahead of guys like 
Tim Anderson and Marcelo Zuna, the, like the guys you're getting in the third round. I think the third round will be a little bit of a stretch. You get the odd guy that's going to be irrational and do that because they just want him, uh, of course. But I think in general, your ADP will see this guy like, like just because um, there's two follows from him. There's two follows that are, that are kind of a result of him moving up is one starting pitching. Like you're like, we'll look at that afterwards. And, and that, um, that really dries up after round four. And we'll look at, we'll look at that in more detail. So I think after, if you really want like, like that top 25 starting pitchers and it's debatable who you put in that category, like I, I'm finding myself, I, I'm forced to pass on a guy like Rosarina to get my like second or third or no matter, depending how many pitchers you feel comfortable with me, it's usually less pitchers, which maybe I need to change. But, um, uh, I, you just can't pass on him. Like for ex- like, I'll give you an example in this draft. It, we're in round five in the last draft where he went, where Mike took him in round six. I'm in round, I'm in round five, right? I got, I got one pitcher. My pitcher is Zach Galen, right? Mm. I'm looking at the draft board and I'm like, pitching dry, pit, there's, pitching is drawing out quickly. They're going fast and furious. Now everyone's realizing they need to get those last couple, last couple pitchers in that tier. Like, your Lance Lynn's, your Zach Plezak's, who we'll get to, like they're all go, they're all flying off the board, and I'm sitting there in round five, and I'm like, okay, Randy Rosarino, Randy Rosarino is here. He's he's great. He's awesome. I like him, but Blake Snell's also there, and I have one pitcher. What do you do? Mm. Yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, you know, I think probably I'm going to make the same type of decision as you if I see him available around the time that you know I'm also seeing some of these other players available uh still you know some of the players that are going ahead of him in in, in some of these drafts and the in the you know fourth round let's just say I'm looking at Luke Voigt George Springer Kevin Biggio I mean yeah Biggio is the guy that stood out to me yeah even Aaron Judge, you know, I mean, Aaron Judge has not been healthy for a long time. And I think people are going to want to discount him and, and get, get, you know, if, if they if they have Aaron Judge on their team, they're going to want a discount because he's just been, he just hasn't been able to stay on the field. Well, let's look um, at that draft where he was taking a pick 80, right? Teoscar Hernandez is going before him. I can understand that. But Pete Alonzo is going before him. These aren't you know, surefire, like five category contributors or anything. And of course, let's see who took him over. He took him over. He decided to take him over Austin Meadows. So that's another fallout. So you're seeing like in the first two drafts, you saw Meadows go before a Rosarina. Now, Mm -hmm. uh, way before, now you're seeing a Rosarina go pick at 80 and Meadows felt to pick 100 in in that third draft. So I think Meadows is going to be a faller. Um, Maybe he's already fallen. But you, mm-hmm. you saw you saw um, Rosarina go ahead of Charlie Blackman, Nick Castellanos. You went ahead of Lourdes Goriel, and he went one pick ahead of Conforto. Um, so those are the type of players he's, he's already going ahead of. He's, he's already jumped. Um, and so yeah. Do, so what do you think? Where do you think he settles? I think he settles. Think in he gets, I think he settles in round six. Oof! No, I, I don't think he's going to go that late. Uh, I mean, round six in a. Uh, and a 15 teamer is after pick 75. And I just feel like at least, uh, you know, later in the draft season, he's going to get pushed into the fifth round and then the fourth round. 
I kind of feel like he's going to start out in the fourth or fifth round and maybe get pushed up sooner, but you never know. Yeah, I, I, mean, still, I was thinking I back think, to, like, what about Louis Robert? What, what happened to him? Louis Robert, pronouncing his name, who fucking cares? But um, That's, that's a uh, good example, yeah. He, he was getting pushed up into the fourth round, right, last year, like at, mm-hmm. the, at, the, at the very end, correct? Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm, I'm asking because I don't remember exactly. No, I mean, I, I mean, I think he even went in the third round a little bit, but yeah, 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 he did, yeah, he did. But in general, like I know, yeah, I know yeah. there were points where he did definitely did go in the third round, but um, in general, um, fourth round is about is probably about right for most of it. I mean, and really for the bulk of draft season, I think he was going a little bit later. So I think he got pushed up to around pick 100 almost immediately when he got the got the deal um, from the White Sox that he was you know, going to start from day one. Everybody knew it, um, you know, and then pretty soon, I think he was going around pick 90. Um, and then, you know, before you knew it, it was, it was mostly fifth round around where like Laureano was going. Um, and yeah, then yeah. eventually into the fourth. Laureano. So. I mean, I know we both, we both were. Oh yeah. He hurt it. me pretty bad. He did too. Yeah, and, it, and it would still be a, a question mark for me, whether to take, him or a Rosarina so so maybe I'm maybe I'm you know imbuing everybody else's hype to them you know to to, to Randy Rosarina more than I you know maybe maybe it's not not fair of me to do that maybe people are smarter than that but I mean I'm not sure I would want him over Laureano even now I mean I know he's shown amazing skills but Laureano's got playing time going for him for sure um I, you know, I, there are risks with Randy Rosarina that that won't make me take him before Laureano. So if you had, if you had to give if you had to give me a round, if you had, no, not a round, maybe a pick. You're saying seventy five for Rosarina to yeah. start? Yeah, I don't think he's going past pick seventy five personally. Okay, I'll say ninety. Okay, which is I think that I believe the start of the the sixth or the start of the sixth round, or no, that's the end of the sixth round, right? Yeah. 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 So I'll say pick 90. Pick 85, 90 is where you probably would expect him to go. Depending on your draft, there might be one guy that jumps him, but that's, that's what I'm going to say. Now, another guy that's sort of similar is Kyle Lewis, and I'll tell you where he's been going. There's a, there's a huge range of outcomes where he got picked. So in the first draft, he went to pick 114. And then the second draft, he went to pick 57 and then 62. So there's oh. a huge like um, standard deviation in terms of um, as a percentage. Um, where he's going, I think the one fourteen is probably too late. Um, I think around pick sixty is is extremely early for him. I mean, personally, I'd take a Rosarina over Kyle Lewis. Uh, I think Kyle Lewis is going to be very good, but I, I, I don't think he's a fourth rounder. Um, you know, I think the batting average is going to be not exceptional, and I, uh, you know, his Statcast profile is not. It, granted, there's less of a sample size with the Rosarina, but the the highs are higher. You know, with, with Lewis, his his barrels per play appearance and barrels per batted ball are a little bit lower. Uh, his max exit velo is a little bit lower, and again, you know, he had about twice as many opportunities to hit one hard. And even his um, fly ball for line drive exit velo is 92.6 is actually almost concerningly low for a guy that you're hoping can be a masher. Like he can absolutely hit 25 or 30 home runs um, with that profile, but I would be, I would not be projecting him for 35 plus home runs. 
So the, the crux of my question here is let's just, let's say, let's say we have a scenario where you have in your personal rankings, you, you have Kyle Lewis as the top outfielder remaining in your draft. So you're around whatever Kyle Lewis is, is the top outfielder remaining in your draft. Where do you think you're going to have to take him to get him? If you, if he like, because you want to juice that orange. So let's say like, Oh, it'd be nice to get like a Conforto and a Kyle Lewis. Let's say you're in round four and Kyle Lewis on the board. He's your top, he's personally your top outfielder remaining. Where do you think you're going to have to take him to get him? Like, or how far do you think you can let him fall well, and still get him? I, I apologize in advance if I'm not properly answering your question, but I don't think I'm going to have Kyle Lewis anywhere because I don't think he would even be in my top. 75 hitters maybe maybe not even i mean what's well, fair because his adp is at 77 here uh, well i'm talking about hitters hitters not even oh, oh like I, sorry i wouldn't take kyle lewis in the top 100 um draft picks because you know if if it gets down to the point where i don't like any outfielders i'm i'm, I'm going to be going pitcher or catcher or something you know i just, he's not high enough in my outfield rankings that i'm going to have a chance to draft kyle lewis Okay, let's like say, I, said, let's say I, I guess my question was if you were someone yeah, if you were high on Lewis and he's your top, if he was your top outfielder, granted, I don't think, like you're saying he won't be, but if he was, mm-hmm. where do you think you're going to need to get him? That's well, my okay, final that's question. A, that's a really good question because, you know, I, I kind of feel like it's going to be around the fifth round. Um, I don't, you know, I think if you're, if you're looking – it's hard for me to answer a question about what somebody who's higher on him would do <laughs> or should do. Uh, personally, I feel if you, if you, if you want to get a value on him, you need to wait and see if he drops. And I, Kyle Lewis is actually the type of player that I could see people sort of coming down a little on. Uh, I don't think he's going to go after like the sixth round or anything, but you know, for him to get pushed up anymore, to me, it would take a lot of irrationality. Um, I, I just don't really understand him going in the fourth round at all. Um, he had a really hot start to the season, but he ended up with 11 home runs. So he wasn't among the leaders. He only had 28 RBI because he's on the Mariners. Five stolen bases. I don't think we can say he's going to steal 15 or 20 next year. I think, you know, he stole five bases. That's great. And he ended up with a 262 batting average. So I, I, I don't understand why the, why the excitement hasn't already come down a little bit on Kyle Lewis personally. All right, let's look at some pitchers now. Um, two, the two pitchers I want to talk about are Zach Plezak and Sixto Sanchez. Um, right. And maybe we can uh, spawn into a, a discussion on starting pitchers after that um, where, and where they're going. So Sixto, I'm trying to find him. He's going around – his ADP is 106 in these drafts. Um, so he's pretty consistently going in that, um, I think, round seven or is that round seven or eight? What, what pick did you say? Round six. Round eight. He's going in round eight. Yeah. He, and he's gone in round eight every time. So his ADP is actually after Sandy Alcantara and after Pablo Lopez. So to my surprise, he is the third Marlins starting pitcher on average off the board in these money drafts. I'm seeing him uh, before oh, Alcantara. You know you're, you're right. My bad. I have it sorted. I sorted it by the first draft. So pa- Pablo Lopez is going on pick at pick 107 on average. Can we talk about that? <laughs> sure. We can. We can. That, let's let's pivot to that. That seems extremely. I I would definitely take 
Sixto Sanchez over Pablo Lopez. Uh, maybe you can. They're they're back to back. They're back to back here. So Sixto has an ADP of one hundred six, and, and Pablo Lopez has an ADP of one hundred five. Am I missing something on Pablo Lopez? Well, I don't Is know. Okay, so you went you went pick ninety. Of. You went to pick ninety seven, and then pick one twenty five, and then ninety four. Now I'll tell you, pick ninety seven. I remember from being in that draft, somebody got auto drafted him because he was in this queue. However, when that happened, we talked about like maybe letting that pick get reversed, but it, it everyone was like, no, no, that pick's great there. Um, and then in fact, um, somebody in our draft was in was in the premature draftulation draft. Uh, the other another draft that was uh, that's going to be a money draft in the NFBC, not a draft Champions League. But he said, what? He's like. Why you know reverse that? I took him in round seven in my other draft. That's a great value. And then he and then he went at pick ninety four in the third draft, and that wasn't um, and that wasn't an auto draft. So um, what did that's that's picks that's that's round seven, right? Or, or no, round, no, that is round eight. So he's, he went in round eight twice, and then he went and then he fell to pick one twenty five, hmm. and then Sixto has been in round eight. Yeah, um, I'm not. I'm not seeing it. I'm not. I, I, I'm not seeing Pablo Lopez in the same tier with with those two guys. Uh, I haven't. I haven't completed my my pitcher rankings or anything. But but Lopez is going to be outside the top fifty, um, and you know Sixto's borderline top thirty for me. Um, and just to cross reference, I've I've got pitcher lists rankings on here, and they've got Pablo at forty seven, and uh, Sixto at thirty seven. So they're a little closer on those two than I am. And then what'd you say, Alcantara? Well, see. yeah, no, I was looking. I was. I had it fell through incorrectly, but Alcantara is quite a bit uh, further down. Um, so, okay. um, so, so yeah, I've got, I've got, I've got them ranked sixto pretty high, Alcantara kind of middle of the road, and Pablo a little bit lower. Uh, so I don't think it sounds like I'm not going to have any of the three of them. Um, I don't think I'm going to have any of the three of them either. Yeah. I guess I, maybe there is, is there Miami hype? I, I, I'm a little surprised, especially with the Pablo Lopez ranking. I knew Sixto was going to get pushed up, but I'm a little bit surprised Alcantara is going as high as he is. So around pick 125, is that right? Am I reading your spreadsheet right? Um, uh, yeah, he's going okay, around. Yeah, so yeah. There's a bit of a range, but yeah, from pick 102 to 155. That's interesting. Um, uh, one one other thing, if unless you had more to say about those guys, uh, when you were talking about Kluber uh, earlier, I think that's a really good point. Uh, when I sort of ranked Kluber based on his sort of historical skills, he was you know top thirty pitcher for sure, and that was even with a little bit of injury risk baked in. And then I decided, you know, I need to bake in some more risk um, because we haven't seen the guy healthy in two years, um, even when he played at the start of 2019 for several games he was not himself and so I moved him way down um so let's see I've got I've got Kluber you know more around the the 50th starting pitcher range so um and and it's almost it's kind of like a especially early in draft season tell me how you feel about this I I, I think uh, I think we're we're going to talk about some other pitchers, and and um, I don't want to jump the gun, but I I think with with pitchers that have been injured or coming back from injury, you want to bake in a discount. You don't want to draft them, even if you know it's where you have to take them to get them. You probably want to let that guy go if you feel like you're not getting a huge discount. What do you think about? 
I think I think you're right, especially in these in these draft champions leagues. Like I I like Kluber. Like look at looking at Kluber, he he went at pick two eighteen in the first draft, which is I think great. But then he was going into one forties in the next two drafts. And yeah, that's, that's exactly uh, what I'm talking about. I, I think that's that's a perfect example. Like two eighteen is probably where I would maybe even start to think about a guy like Kluber because you have to you really have to bake that. I mean one one. 40 or 150, whatever you said. I mean, that's 10th round. I mean, you're still getting some fairly bankable players at that point, I think. Yeah, I think the 10th round is too high for him, for my taste. Um, but if I sorted by the pitchers, and on according to the ADP of these three drafts, he is the 64th pitcher off the board, but that includes relief pitchers. So there's probably, I'm guessing, mm-hmm. around seven, seven or eight relief pitchers that have been taken. Um, but he's going, he's going right ahead of Charlie Morton. And that's another good. That's another good example of somebody that um, <laughs> I won't be taking. Charlie Morton's right. gone. He went way ahead of him in one draft, and then Charlie Morton's actually gone ahead of Kluber in two of the three drafts. However, his ADP is um, lower slightly, so he's gone. They're, they're both, more, on average, they're go, going around the late eleventh round. It looks like. On average, yeah, that, yeah, I mean that's that's not happening for me. I'm. I'm uh, who, do you are, who do you Who would you take first between the two? Oh, Kluber for sure. You know, like you, you just don't draft a guy who might not be playing next year. You know, Charlie Morton has not, to my knowledge, come out and said that he's definitely playing. No, <laughs> so he, he said that he might be retiring. Yeah. Imagine they, imagine so, they get to a game seven and Charlie Morton pitches. This is this is a this is an interesting paradox. Um, uh, imagine Charlie Morton gets the imagine the Rays win tonight. And uh, there's a game seven, and Charlie Morton faces off against Walker Bueller. Charlie Morton pitches an amazing gem, and the Tampa Bay Rays win the World Series. That would actually, the paradox is that would, that would actually make me want to draft Charlie Morton less because <laughs> because exactly. because there's more likely there's more likely like you just call it, like that would be such a nice way to like go out on top. Like if you if you're already talking about retiring and he just pitches a gem in Game Seven of the World Series, like. That makes me think he's probably going to retire even more so. Yeah. No, I mean, it's tough. Maybe we'll know. Maybe he will officially retire tomorrow night if that happens. Or, you know, maybe by the time we do uh, our next draft, we'll know. But but for now, I'm just he, – he's not even on my list. I'm just – I mean, I might take him in the 50th round. You know, like if it, well, I, I don't know. There's, it's got to be a price room. I think I'd take him at, like, pick 300 or something like that. Yeah. Okay. That's. I mean – basically when prices stop mattering as much, that's where I'm going to be looking to just grab a couple of those guys. But I mean, even in the, the pick 300 in the 20th round, I mean, I really feel like there's still some good hitters there and we can talk about that a little bit later. But uh, one thing you had on the list that I wanted to get your opinion on is you had Cindergaard, Severino and Sale. So all three of those guys coming back from Tommy John. Um, I think if I'm, if I'm not mistaken here, I, I've got it written down. So Severino had Tommy John in February and the other two guys, uh, yeah, February of 2020. And uh, Sale and Syndergaard had it in March. So I don't know if that really, you know, everybody comes back at their own pace. So I'm not sure if that's uh, yeah. very relevant. Um, so you just got to – you want to think about what they're going to do with their pitchers when they come back. Like you got to expect like a June at the earliest um, return for all three of them, I would think. Oh, wow. Okay. What, what, Maybe. What were you, what were you thinking? I mean, there's always talk of guys coming back after just 12 months. Uh, it doesn't always happen, though. So you have to bake in some risk there. It's just a matter of, in a draft champions league, even if 
Chris Sale comes back in August, I want him on the team, right? I just don't know what I want to pay for that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm making an extreme, extreme risk. Uh, but I think probably in the late teens rounds, I'm going to at least start considering Chris Sale. I, I, don't, I don't know that much. Um, I haven't thought as much about Cindergard because uh, I don't, I've never really been a Syndergaard fan and I don't know that you're going to get certain things like strikeouts uh, in, in the levels of other aces. Um, but like Severino, maybe especially since he has had a little bit more recovery time and sale, uh, you know, I might look at him in the late teens around. What do you think? I can see Severino being uh, babied the most because the, the Yankees have the best bullpen out of those teams. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, so I, I, they can they can afford to give, give him shorter starts. Um, and however, with Sale, the Red Sox are going to be atrocious. So maybe they yeah. just give him all the time he needs. So none of these guys are really going to be uh, rushed back for sure. So. Yeah, you're always going to have that. You're going to have one person that wants these players and jump jumps them. I, I I don't think you can afford to take more than one of them on your team. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, certainly unless they fall into like the free free range. Yeah, like, exactly. Around around thirty or later, and I don't I don't think I think you're right. Somebody's always going to want these guys, and so, I mean, gosh, where were similar players going last year? Can we think of anybody who was coming back last year? Um, um, I'm drawing a blank. I know I can't even think of anybody. Well, I mean, now everybody that I'm thinking of, like Strasburg, Verlander. Uh, Severino himself, they, they, they got hurt after drafts, uh, or some, some of them after most of draft seasons. Crazy, crazy question for you. Do you think there's any outside chance Justin Verlander comes back in September and he's worth a round 50 pick? I don't think that's even possible. Um, I think, let's see. So he given, has, given his age? but yeah, Well, given his age and the fact that he had surgery in September, so that would be 12 months Right. I don't think they. I don't think that the Astros would do that to him. <laughs> so, so extrapolating that thought, you you would say there's basically no chance of those three Severino Thor, Severino Sale Thor. They're not. They're not. They're not going to be back in April. Um, pro, yeah, almost definitely not. Uh, certainly, Sale and Sundergaard. I would think at least May or June, like kind of like you said, and you know, there's going to be. There's, there's also just a risk of, you know, do they, do they make it back? Is there any kind of re-injury? I mean, t- I mean, Tommy John has gotten a lot better than it used to be, but it's not perfect. And, uh, you know, there's, there's always a ramp up of some kind. And, and uh, even for guys that elite, uh, you know, I, I don't so know. Let's, let's, look at, let's look at where they're going. Um, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to find them on. Here's on. a question. What if you could count on half a season of Chris Sale? What would that be worth? I mean, I would, I would, if if I was, if it was bankable, I would. Yeah, wager, be good. I would, I would posit. Yeah, if you're, if you're getting. I gotta want. Well, I don't want Chris Sale 2019. Well, let's say you're getting prime Chris Sale and you're getting him for 18 starts or 16 starts, whatever half is. Uh, then, he's know, worth, like, then, then he's worth like a 150. I'll pick 150. I would say. Yeah, I would say maybe even more. You know, maybe maybe he, more. If you're getting prime consider, Chris Sale, you're. But, Sure, you're not. But, but, you're, you're not but, getting that though. So, so, so that's my point: is you have to discount it from there. So, I would say like eighth to tenth round if you were guaranteed. But since you're not guaranteed, a that he's prime. I mean, he could come back like Corey Kluber showed up 
last year, you know, and just not be himself. And so I'm thinking, you know, I, I don't think I'm looking these guys way until, you know, close to round 20, probably at least 17, 18, 19. And that's if I don't have a better alternative. Like for instance, I actually did take Severino in the mock draft in round 19. So he made it that far. Of course there's a mock, so you never know if that's going to hold. Uh, but also like, you know, I just, and up until that point, I found guys that I liked better. Well, Severino is going at an average pick 275. So it's around that time that he is going, his ADP. And then and, uh, Syndergaard's even going later. He's picked 281 ADP. So they're going around that, that time. And I'm trying to find Sale here. He, Sale's he's going, got, he's going pick, earlier. Pick 191 in, in your drafts. Looks 190, like. 197, right? Uh, sorry, yeah, I was looking at the rank. Yeah, uh, ADP is 197. So he's going pretty early. That's too, too early for my taste. To, yeah, to that's take. like round 14. So I, that's not going to happen. I don't know why people are taking sales so much ahead of the like 100 picks ahead of Severino and Thor. I guess he's because of what I just said. I think Sale's got the upside that if he's himself, even for a few months, then, you know, he's going to win you your league practically. But that's just not something we can count on. And, you know, if in the 14, if in the 14th round, who did I get in the 14th round? This is the only draft I have, so I'm just making hay out of it. I got Christian Walker, you know, and he's not going to win you your league. But, I mean, if you need a first baseman or a corner, like he's a lot more bankable than Chris Sale is to do anything. So it's like, do you go with the upside of maybe Chris Sale? And, uh, in, 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 you know, October, November, I don't, you know. Uh, maybe if it gets closer to the season, I start pushing Chris Sale up because he definitely has that upside. But you got to look, look at it this way as well. So like if, you get, if you look at where he's going at 197 on average, you're going to see players in that very similar range. you got Aaron Savali, Andrew Heaney, Pearson, Eflin, like, sink, like okay, I'll stop there. But like those are players that are just like pretty much average pitchers. Some have some upside, some have some safety. But the thing is, when you're when you're actually in these DCs, you can, it's easy to look at this at this ADP now. When you're actually in the draft, you're 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 filling out your your roster spots, and then taking sale where you're taking him there is going to leave you an, a blank spot. So that's going to in turn make you um, have to play yeah. someone that like really suboptimal at that spot. They call it maybe, maybe, maybe you do end up uh, sacrificing hitting for that. But let's say you do sacrifice a pitcher for that. You're going to end up with like, you might, you might end up starting like a middle reliever or like yeah. a, a guy that's going to kill your ratios. Someone like, like you really want to put in Bumgarner, Priscilla, Waka, Lester, like into straight, like Samarja. Like those are the type of guy. Well, that's, those are like, those are, those are extremely, really, really bad pitchers. Yeah, this, this goes back to your point where like you, you can't take sale in the, you know, 15th or 16th round and then take Severino in the 19th and then Syndergaard in the 21st. Like you just cannot do that. So um, I think that's a really good point. You have to either wait for a value and, and just maybe take one of these guys. And then I would, it would even say to further your point, I would also not be taking McKenzie Gore if I took one of these guys because you, you're going to need innings and we want innings we can bank on. So McK- McKenzie Gore is just the example that came to mind. But Forrest Whitley, um, why am I blanking on all the pitchers? Well, Gore's, Gore's now going higher than he was last year because now it's like, okay, like, okay, think here's everyone's thinking, this is what everyone's thinking about McKenzie Gore. Okay, like everyone fooled us into thinking he was going to get called up last year. I fooled myself. Um, now 2021. Okay. 
he's got to be up at some point in 21. It's a no-brainer. Question yeah. is when. Um, yeah, but my, my point is, like, whether it be Mackenzie Gore or, or uh, Nate Pearson or some other future guy that I'm not really pulling up in my head right now, you, you, you have to eschew all of that and take, like, a, a Dallas Keuchel or something. You, just, you need innings at that point if you've taken oh, um, I see what you're Sale saying. or Syndergaard or Severino or – uh, you know, I feel like maybe you get one shot. And to be to be honest, I mean, I, I've been thinking about getting away from uh, prospects in general. Like I, I was, I was uh, sort of when when Gore got past pushed up. You know, I was waiting on and grabbing like Spencer Howard or Nate Pearson, and really you got very little from any of those guys. And then you could have gotten Tristan McKenzie or Dean Kramer or you know somebody in round fifty. And it's, they, they gave you just as much or, or some, in some cases, a whole lot more than those guys who kept getting pushed up. So I, I just, if, I think if, if it's before round 20, uh, you know, with, with a prospect pitcher, I'm just, I'm just out. Right. So I want to look, I want to just uh, give you a quick overview of the starting pitcher landscape. So let's move up to the top and, and they're like, usually you see starting pitchers move up and get pushed up as you go get into the main event. This year, I feel like it's already happening. It's sort of like um, I'll use a football analogy. You'll see, like you'll see it, like you'll see, like the landscape vary from year to year. Like there's one year where you saw, like back in the day, quarterback Aaron Rodgers would be like the fourth overall pick, but then that that moved, and then running backs, like now running backs are always the first picks. Um, uh, but then you had a year where all the running backs got hurt, so they got pushed down. Like the year that Jamal Charles got hurt. Now again running backs are really um, – we're all getting, getting pushed up a lot this year, and now they're all getting hurt. So you might see a, a shift again next year. I don't know. But what I'm seeing – I guess maybe it's a shitty analogy, but what I'm saying is that you, you'll see that um, starting pitcher, because of what happened last year, because of just the, the landscape of the position, they just appear – or they, they maybe not appear, maybe they are – more valuable. So they're getting, they're already getting pushed up. Now I'm looking at the ADP from these three money drafts and within the first, um, within the first 75 picks, so that's five rounds, right? So approximately um, you're looking at approximately um, within, I'll say within the top 80 picks. So five and change rounds, the top 30 starting pitchers are already gone. Now, if you really want to push it back, um, within the first um, and, and included in those pitchers are guys like Strasburg, Clevenger, um, Ryu, Hendricks, like our borderline. Now, if you want to take it back to um, the top four rounds, you're, you're gonna, you have 23 pitchers in the first four rounds. So that's almost half of your picks. Well, no, 23 of your top 60 picks are, are, are these quote unquote stud pitchers. And after that, they're basically, it's basically you're done after that. So if you don't get, if you, if you're, if you're, if you want two of them, then you're really going to have to take two pitches in the first four rounds. It's just a matter of when you're going to take them. And that, that range is from Garrett Cole all the way to Corbin Burns. And you have, I'll, I'll, I'll list them in, in the order. I'll try and quickly list them in the order that they're, that they're going in. You got Cole, the Grand Bieber first tier. And I'm just sort of going on the fly here. Your second tier is your Darvish Bauer early second round. Then you got Giolito, Bueller, Nola, Castillo, Kershaw, Flaherty, Scherzer. Cut it off there. And then you got Lynn, Freed, Woodruff, Galen, 
Glasnow, Maeda, Snell, Zach Plezak, Sonny Gray. And then you sort of, then you're not so sure about players anymore. And you got your Denelson Lamette and Corbin Burns. And that ends out the players you're going to, that you're probably going to need to get within, within the first four rounds. Now in that, um, in that range near the end, you got guys like Zach Plezak. Like we're like, I think it's pretty, 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 um, pretty clear. You're probably going to need to take him um, before fourth round. It looks like before like the end of the fourth round. round. And that, that could even get pushed up further. Yeah. So, so yeah. my, my thinking about this is if you're going to be taking two pitchers in the first four rounds and you can get guys like Aaron Nola and Jacob deGrom in rounds one and two, and then in rounds three, four, three and four, maybe you're getting Plesak and Max Freed. You know, I, I'm, I'm tempted to go with the pocket aces in, for, in rounds one and two, because I don't think you're getting nearly as much when you go in rounds three and four. Now there are some gems that I really like. I mean, I'm, I'm high on Brandon Woodruff. He's going in really round early round four or, or certainly round three or four. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm high on some of these other guys in round four as well, but they're, they're not Aaron Nola and they're not Shane Bieber and they're not Garrett Cole, like, you know, right. and they're not even Giolito or Bauer or, you know, the, to me, the round one and two guys are are so far ahead of the round three and four guys that it's it's more so, I guess, than the round one and two hitters. Certainly more so than the round two hitters are ahead of those guys. So, hundred percent. I guess what I'm telling you is I'm almost definitely going to be taking a pitcher in round two and and possibly in round one. But uh, I I could see myself deciding that in every draft, if 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 Trevor Bauer is there in the second round or Aaron Nola is there in the second round, uh, I'm going to take a pitcher every time. Now, I'm not going to try – I'm going to try not to take the same pitcher so I don't get, you know, too much exposure to the same player. But the, the second-round pitchers are looking really good. I think I'm on board with taking a pitcher in round one after a certain point, but I, I find it I find it, diff- I find it difficult to take, like, your, your Shane Bieber, Jacob DeGrom, Cole over, like, obviously your, like, Acuna. I know, the, I know there's – people that differ on, on that opinion. But I think if like, I, I still would find it hard to pass a, uh, Jose Ramirez or even Mike Trout. Um, yeah. First round hitters may be the exception to what I was talking about. Um, it's when you get into the second round hitters, yeah. the, you know, uh, Machado or Albies or Devers. I'm not. Bichette, Bichette. Or, yeah. Bichette. Any, any borderline, like this guy could be, um, I could see him falling anywhere in the top 50 or maybe even more. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of going pitcher there, but certainly, you know, Trout, Yelich, uh, Trey Turner, even uh, Soto story, Ramirez, Tatis, Acuna, Betts, maybe even Bryce Harper. I, I'd be hard pressed to take a, you know, a pitcher over them when I'm talking about the pitchers, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to have to choose between Bryce Harper and Garrett Cole. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. uh, but, but, but I'm going to have to choose, uh, you know, if I have an early pick, I'm going to have to choose between Garrett Cole and, you know, Betts, Acuna, Tatis, um, Soto, Ramirez, you know, so, so certainly I'm, I'm going to be, um, I'm, it's first round is going to be the hardest decision. 
For okay. me, like in that in that like first second turn, like if you take take Darvish, like I like Bauer more than I like Darvish. I don't know what you think. I agree. Now I would take Freeman, Ballinger, Lindor, Harper, Machado, Bichette, Alves, and Bogarts. I would take all of those players over Darvish personally. Interesting. Yeah, I, I'm I'm a little lower on Darvish than the pack. I'm also higher on Clayton Kershaw than the pack because every time I back out. 20 or 30 innings from him and I give him 180 innings versus, you know, 200 or more for these other guys up here. Uh, Kershaw's still looks like he could deliver more for your team. He's just so elite in the ratios and even without as many strikeouts um, per inning, he, I, I just, I've got him up there too, but, but yeah, uh, there are some hitters. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't think I would take, uh, Darvish, personally, um, but I would grab a pitcher over a lot of those hitters. Used, I don't so. think Darvish is even my SP five. I don't think he's in my top five. Yeah, so I've got I've got Degrom, Cole, Bieber, Kershaw, Bauer, um, and I could even see flipping Bauer yeah. over over Kershaw if you know if there's anything to to make us think that Bauer is going to get even more work than he already gets. There's just more risk there, in my opinion. And then Darvish and Nola and Giolito and, and goes on from there. But, uh, you know, but the, even the second rounders, which in my opinion are, are the, the Bauer, Darvish, Nola, Giolito guys, um, I'm taking them over most any hitter going in the second round. Right. What are your thoughts on Albies going that early again this year? He's, go, he's, he's, going, really, he's, going, he's going earlier – than last year because second base, because of the, the failures of, of the second baseman and, and the way he finished the, the season. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've got him as a top 20 hitter, but the problem is that's maybe a third-round pick, and I just don't think I'm going to get any Albies, you know? Like, I, yeah. I would absolutely take Albies in the third round, you know. I don't want to say every time, but, I mean, certainly over a lot of guys. Um, but, like, I'd take, I'd take Albies over Arenado. I mean, Albies is going to get you a little bit of everything, um, and, and, and just sort of make you make you really happy if he plays the full season. But I, I just – it's a matter of if he's going in the second round, I just – I'm, I'm going to take a picture. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work on um, some projections this year. And I think when you, when you say he had a when – um, when you say he, hit, he hits on a little bit of everything, I think, like, if you do your projections and you, and you, and you assign standing games points to um, – to based on stats and home runs are worth X batting average is worth X stolen bases are worth X. I'm, and I haven't crunched the numbers on this and I, and I actually will crunch the numbers this year in Excel. Um, uh, just doing a little bit more prep than I did last year. I believe that like, let's say, let's say for the sake of simplicity, um, and this may be something that's already been figured out. I don't know, but um, you tell me maybe um, let's say home runs are worth five points and stolen bases are worth 10 points. Just like, to make math simple. I think somebody that has um, somebody that has um, an equal amount, if you add up their, if you add up their stat, like if you add up those stats and they have an equal amount of points based on that assignment, I think somebody that has a more balanced um, home runs and stolen bases, if they're just more balanced, regardless of like the totality of what that equates to is they're going to be more valuable in, in these roto leagues. Yeah. I, I, I tend to agree. I mean, I try not to overvalue stolen bases. Um, and, I, and I think your point is actually good, uh, not just to sort of, you know, um, 
limit limit ourselves on the guys who aren't going to steal bases, but also limit ourselves on the guys, you know, kind of slow our roll on the guys who who uh, aren't going to hit for any power. Like, I mean, Mondesi is going to win you stolen bases, but you're going to take a hit and RBIs and home runs. And so my my system has him as barely a top 30 hitter. And so that would be like a fifth rounder or maybe, you know, at best a fourth round player, probably a fifth round player as many pitchers are we know are going to go in the top, top four rounds. Uh, he's not, he's not getting to the fifth round in, in any roto draft ever. <laughs> I don't think. Uh, so, so yeah, I think, I think I'm with you and I think other people maybe uh, don't, don't value balance enough. Yeah. I, I, I think that's a good point. Um, and um, I think, I think um, just knowing back to what we were talking about, pitcher versus hitter, I think just what I need to personally focus on is making sure I fill out that pitching staff a little bit earlier, despite like it always seems like there's better values in hitting when you're drafting in these rounds. Like I guess when you go into like any round, I guess any of the early rounds, it always seems to me that there's more value in hitting, but then you got to realize that pitching, like maybe maybe they're like in a vacuum that hitter's better, but the pitching just dries up. Like good pitching just doesn't last in that draft. So you're going to be stuck with like pitchers that are going to kill your ratios. And um, really like having like having to slide in like one start pitchers um, like every week, maybe one or two of them and that aren't going to be good that you're going to blow up your ratios. That's just like something you don't want to deal with. I think. Um, yeah. I think there so will be a, at least I one league. To, I, need to do better, I need to do a better job of getting like filling up like a legitimate pitching staff. Like, albeit you can sacrifice, you'll have to sacrifice your hitting and you can do that. Like you, you can win leagues with like basically holes in your batting lineup. You can't win leagues with ratios blown up on your pitching staff. Yeah, I think, you know, it's all about trade-offs. So, like like we were saying, would you rather have Bo Bichette and, you know, Max Fried, or would you rather have Lucas Giolito and Kevin Biggio? Or, you know, there's got to be a better example. But that's, you know, when you're looking at your second round and your fourth round pick, do you want to go hitter pitcher or pitter hitcher? <laughs> yeah. I just made up a couple words there. But, yeah, you see what I'm saying. And, and so I think it's the same in your in your enti- – your, draft strategy as a whole and there are going to be some leagues this year where I take five pitchers out of the first 10 rounds because I have one one huge thing that I learned from this year is I have a very low success rate uh, picking pitchers in the early 20s uh, rounds so I mean, I'm talking about I I felt the need to get uh, you know Austin Voth <laughs> John Gray, Ross Stripling, even Justice Sheffield, Kyle Gibson, you know, Matt Shoemaker. Those guys are so hit or miss, uh, you know, and, and, you know, I was missing out on the Teoscar Hernandez of the world and, you know, early certainly and, you know, Cole Calhoun and um, even, you know, I should have had Anthony Santander in every league. I liked him and I got maybe I drafted him four times, you know, I should have had him, where do you think you're, where do you, where do you think he's going to go this year? Like, where do you think you'll have to take Santander? Just going, just to have a little tidbit off topic. Yeah, I know. I think he's going to get pushed up a little bit, but maybe, maybe he can stay off the radar a little bit in Baltimore. Um, ADP uh, one seventy one. 
172 so far. So he's not off the radar. People aren't forgetting about him. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I think early teens rounds are a reasonable place. You know, the problem is he didn't finish healthy. Um, is it oblique and, though, right? Well, I, I don't tend to write off obliques. You would think surely it'll be healthy by next year, but you know, I, it, he's kind of falls into the, you know, Aaron judge, Giancarlo Stanton category of steroids. kind of a, <laughs> you know, oblique, obliques are a steroid injury because you, it's kinda, your body, your, your body's gotten too strong for your swing. So you, did you happen to see Santander this year? Did you get, did you get to catch any at bats? No, like not physically. Like he, no. he looks like he's on steroids. Like he was, he, he might've gained 30 pounds from last year. I know. I, I say that without even having seen him. So the fact yeah. that you see him like, so, so I'm not, I just, I'm not just weird. Like the oblique corroborating injuries, your, your, your accusation by any means, but I am saying that, you know, these big beefy guys, whether it's steroids or not, I mean, like, I just feel like if there's that much torque in your swing, you know, you're, you're more prone to get injured. And so that oh, for sure. I would have him a little bit lower because of that. But I mean, I'm not letting him get past round. Oof, I want to say 15. You know, I mean, I, it sounds like he's going a little bit earlier than that. Going a lot earlier than that. He's, the latest he's gone is pick 180, which is what? That's pick um, – That's like round 12. 12, 13, right? Yeah. So, so I mean, I think that's a good range for him. I'll probably try to get it, get a little bit. But, I, I, you know, I mean, there's a lot of good players going around there. I, yeah, you got like Kepler, you got whatever. Um, yeah. Let's um, let's uh, we get, we're on our home stretch. I think we got we're we're closing in on an hour. So let's. I wanted to talk about let's briefly. I wanted to spend maybe um, two or three minutes on on closers and talk about catchers for a little bit like that. So closers, you'll see in like these early drafts. What can you expect from closers this early? Uh, closers got pushed up, uh, especially in our sprint season, a ton because of we all know why they got pushed up last year. Um, was that turned out to be a terrible mistake? Um, for anyone, <laughs> anyone that uh, invested in closers in general. Um, but what you're seeing this year is, and you're also seeing, um, you're seeing a re- like somewhat of a recency bias because starting pitchers are getting moved up and closers, man, like they are not going high at all. Like the first, um, the first closer off the board, I think is um, Hendricks. Um, I'm going to just, let, let's filter it by pitchers. And I'm trying to, I'll try and go through this as quickly as possible. But you're going to see like after like, um, basically it cuts off after like Taylor Rogers on the, on the twins. Um, you got Hendricks at ADP 62. So you're in the fifth round already. Um, and Hayter at ADP 68, where he was going like 30 picks higher at the beginning of last year. Then you go down hand at pick 91 Diaz pick 95 column a 99. Where is, um, what's his name? Kenny Jansen. Um, Iglesias is pick 111. Um, Chapman at 105. Okay. Oh, Jansen! Wow. Jansen's fallen. Like I ended, I took him early, but then he's he's one fifteen really, for Jansen. because he's looked bad recently. Yeah. And then Rosenthal, like he's not even signed, but um, well, and even but even all these guys that we've mentioned, it's it's before or by the eighth round. So I mean, if you want to if you want to get a guy like this, you're still paying a relatively decent price. I mean, I think as long as they're not pushed up, as long as they're going, you know, in the 16th 17th 18th round or later i'm gonna get those closers nobody cares about that i don't you know that i don't even know are closers maybe i'll get one of these early guys and then try to get like daniel bard after round 20 or stefan crichton or i don't know i i guess i'll have to think about 
how likely I feel these guys are to keep their jobs, but um, how good they are. Like Texas, like, Texas to, like Texas is a weird situation. I don't really even care how good they are, to be honest with you. I mean, I think a lot of people were down on Colome this year because they didn't think he had the the skills of a Chapman or a, or a hand. And I think, you know, that that's probably true, but Colome was one of the top closers because he had a, had the job. He had job security. <laughs> so right, I don't know. But my point is you're going to see a huge range. Like Hector Neris went from a range of 166, a, a high of 166 to a low of 374. Osuna went as early as 117. I think that, I don't know if they realized he's not healthy, but, um, and then uh, 375. So those are enormous ranges. Um, wow, where's Presley going? Is he the guy to take in? Houston? Yeah, as like, it appears so. Because oh, he's going he, like 162. Yeah, well, he went 193 and then both other drafts 147. Um, My thing is I'm, I'm going to have a list and I'm, I'm going to try to pick from the bottom of it. And maybe I, maybe I have to get like four guys that are going after pick 300. But yeah, you're still, sac- course- like, you're still sacrificing because you're, they're not like, you're still take, you're still sacrificing some other good players because you're not like in the 500s at that point. You're not, you're not free. Like if you want to get, right. the, you want to get live guys like Richard Rodriguez has a range of 184 to 303. So that's a huge range. Yeah. Like even, even Melanson went as early as 203, but he also went as late as 316. Like, like he's the closer, and he's still going at pick 316. Like, would that ever happen? Like, come well, he's a, is he a free agent, or I, did, they, did they re-sign him? I am not I think sure. He might, I think for now he might be a free agent. Well, well um, Trevor, I, Rosenthal, I Trevor Rosenthal I know is a free agent. I mean, he's going close to pick 100, right? Yeah, because, no, I, I think that's a good call out. Like I'd probably take Melanson over Rosenthal. Cause I mean, I don't, know if I, got... I don't know if I would do that, but like, but Yates, Yates went at pick 122 in one draft. And He's he also went at pick 381 in another draft. Like there's no one knows what to do with closers right now. Richard, well, that's, like Richard, that's even, the exact even, right point to make. And, and so my answer is I'm not going to pay up unless I'm like absolutely certain and I feel like I'm getting a good deal. Otherwise, I'll just take as many dart stabs late as I can. And, yeah. you know, like with draft champions, I'm going to draft probably five guys after round 40 um, that I just think have a chance to get the role. <laughs> you know, just uh, upside, even if it's like, you know, maybe at worst I get the Devin Williams in next year, you know, and he doesn't get any saves, but he's – but he's just an upside pitcher because those guys are free. You know, you can find yeah. those guys everywhere. I got a guy in mind. I'm not going to say it though yet. Uh, I'll tell you. I'll tell you after. That's a guy. That's a guy I've been getting. And it's a guy I've been getting like super late every time. Tell me after we stop recording. Make all your listeners mad. I will. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Fuck them. Um, <laughs> is that something you should say? Um, Probably not. No. Okay. Um, what was it? So yeah, that's that's closers. Um, let's look at let's look at catchers because we were talking about that offline uh, before we started recording. Um, All right. Can I make my Can I make my spiel, and then you'll make your counterpoint. Yeah. Um, do you want to? Do you want to? Uh, yeah. Go ahead. All right. So I I have decided that sort of sort of as a strategy point for this year, I'm going to try to get two great catchers, and so I'm talking about JT Realmuto, Salvador Perez, Will Smith, and then later you know, maybe one of those three. Um, and then later, like a Vasquez or uh, Aaron Nola or Sean Murphy. Those are kind of my guys. And then, you know, there are some others. Mitch Garver is interesting, and I think he'll be going pretty late. Uh, where, where is Garver going? 254 on average. Yeah, so that's pretty late. 
and there's some upside there. The problem is he struck out 45% of the time, I think. <laughs> so it's like, what's going to happen? You know, it's the same. It's the, it's the Christian Yelich question, but more so. It's like, what is this? This is not, you're not supposed to strike out this much, you know? So Yelich struck out, you know, 50% more than he ever had, you know, 30% of the time or something. And Garver was way worse. And so it's, it's hard. Uh, it's hard to, to see that just as a complete anomaly but if it was you're really you're really getting the value there so um anyway i talked too long about garber but i think my strategy is try to get two catchers who are really going to contribute something because the difference in what i'll leave off real muto because he's just a freak but even you know sal perez or a vast let's take christian vasquez because i think he's so underrated he's going to get you 60 or 65 runs 60 or 65 rbis Catchers that are going around, you know, pick, you know, maybe 100 picks after him, or some of them aren't going to give you 40 of each, you know. And, and so that's the difference between like a first round hitter and a 10th round hitter is 20 RBIs and 20 runs. So these, these catchers that are actually half decent can really, and, and you know, Vasquez will even chip in a few stolen bases and a decent average. And so, you know, I don't want to harp on him so much as just the catchers that you can count on really make building your entire team a lot easier. Right on. So that, is that your spiel? Uh, that's my spiel. I know you're going to have an alternate perspective here. No, I, 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 like I, I, I understand it, and I think it's, I think it's a good strategy um, as well. Um, and you said the same thing. Um, as John Fish, who's been in all of these drafts, he, he said he's, he's completely saying the exact same thing that you're saying. And I, I, I see it. However, I like to t- I, I've been taking a different strategy. And what I see is I see there's tiers. Like you have your, you have your top tier of Rimuto, sorry, JT Real Muto, and then you have Sal Perez and Will Smith, who probably are going to get pushed up before pick 100. Um, then you got a bunch of guys in like the mid to late 100s. Um, who I just like you're saying you want to get your second catcher there. I don't want to get my first catcher there just because of relative value. I still, there's still some really good players out there like that I was getting um, like position players and pitchers going in that range, like of 150 to 200. So I'm just passing on them, uh, passing on these catchers for them because I know that I can get value elsewhere. Um, so that's your con- Contreras, Denard, Christian Vasquez, Grandel, Austin Nova, Sean Murphy, and then Gary Sanchez sort of at the end. Uh, Gary Sanchez and Varsha sort of at the end on different um, ends of up. Like they got your – those are your upside guys. Um, you're saying you don't want to get your first catcher in this tier? No. I might want to get one if, they, if one of these guys falls like past pick 200, which has happened. I did get Gary Sanchez at pick 216 in the first draft. So well, in principle, I'm going to agree with you there because I think there are guys in here that I've, I've called out that I like, like Vasquez, but there are also guys that I don't feel are really worth this price. Like they're not could be, but I don't, I mean, I don't feel confident in that. And, you know, Gary Sanchez, it's hard to feel confident in him. So I, I mean, and maybe you feel the opposite about those two guys, but I'm just saying, I think this is going to be sort of the hit or miss range. You know, this is going to be the, the, the it versus with catcher. of catchers. It so, always so. is. It always is with catcher. It's such a fickle position. Like you're good one year, you're not good the other year. Look at Garver. Well, that's why, that's Look why at Garver. I, that's why Look. I've homed, homed in on Vasquez because he's done it for two straight years now and he's been very consistent. Um, 
you know, uh, but, but, but I, the point is very valid that you don't want to pay for something when you don't know what you're getting. And so like this is Nola, a very good. Like Nola could be Garver. Like Nola wasn't even as good as Garver last year. And now he's being drafted almost how Garver was being drafted last year. So well, point, point taken there. And I'm out even on Sean Murphy. I mean, some of these guys have only done it once. And, and, and you know, even if they had a good year, uh, you're, you're right to be skeptical. Like Denard, like he's he's going to pick one fifty. Like eh, I don't know. Like, That's crazy. Always, like he was That's so good. Crazy. Like he was so good last year. I I really like Denard, but he's injury prone. Uh, I do he was, to say he was decent, but I mean he wasn't as. I mean he's going before Vasquez. I mean come on. Yeah. <laughs> Vasquez was the ninetieth player, not not uh, value uh, adjusted for catcher. He was the ninetieth player on the player rater um, for twenty twenty. Denard was much later. <laughs> right so after after like um like just to touch on gary sanchez a little bit like he after like gary sanchez going as a temp catcher off the board which still seems like it might be a bit too high um but even let's okay he might not be the starter like he wasn't the starting catcher in the playoffs um he might be on a different team um perhaps but i'm saying even if he does get 40 percent of the playing time if 40 percent of the starts behind the plate on any team he still might hit you 20 home runs in those four in those 40 percent of the starts so and the fact that he's gonna hit for a shitty average those 20 home runs um over less at bats and his average is your his average is not going to bring you down as much as he as it would if he got more at bats so he's almost like as good as some of the other, other catchers in that range if that holds true but i really after after you get down after you get there i really don't want hey, any of Sorry, real quick, but I have to correct myself on on Dernod. He actually was higher than Vasquez on the player rider, fifty-seven, because he hit three. Uh, I just looked at three three twenty something, right? Three twenty-one with a four eleven BABIP. So uh, maybe yeah. he is gonna. That's probably why he's getting pushed up. Yeah, I was gonna correct you, but I just didn't feel like it. I I, I, I didn't think I like I knew he was really good. I didn't think that he would have been lower than Vasquez on the player rater. <laughs> The four the four eleven BABIP is uh, is is a reason to stay away from him. You know if he's going anywhere near this price because that's that's coming down drastically, and it could be the difference between a a three twenty uh, uh, batting average and a you know two forty batting average. So that's a great point. Um, the rest like the next the next like in between pick two hundred and three hundred. Like I uh, I'll go through them, but I I feel like the, the the money part is after like pick 350 because I feel like, yeah, they have more risk, but like, like they're not going to be sinkholes in your batting average. Like some of these other catchers could be like your Sanchez and like Garver was this year. Uh, but yeah, after, after Sanchez and Varsha, you have Pedro Severino who he's got some competition concerns this year for sure. Mitch Garver, Bart Wilson Ramos, James McCann, he's a sneaky one though. That he could, if he if he signs somewhere else, he's been very good. And if he, he's a free agent, if he signs somewhere else, then he could be really good. Alfaro, Tyler, Tyler Stevenson, Molina. But I think there's some great there's some great value like even later that like are just like written off. So I'm I'm comfortable. I've 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 realized during these three drafts that I'm actually comfortable completely waiting on catcher. I know there's some really good catchers this year, like uh, like. Ramuto, like the top three are going to be really, really good. But like in terms of value, what else I can get at those stages? Through, like I'm not going to go through the list of catchers again, but as you go through the draft at each of those stages and each of those tiers of catcher, I feel there's 
there's guys that are, there's guys that are really good at other positions that I can fill knowing that catcher I can get I can start grabbing them maybe depending on when I target my first catcher there are catchers that I like to value at throughout that entire list like um I do like um I do like Joey Bart for where he's going actually for his upside um I do like him there there's um, a lot of upside I, you're definitely right about that I mean I and you know, I could I could certainly see a case for paying through the nose for one of like the top five catchers, or maybe even just say I'm going to pay for Real Muto because I know what I'm getting, and then wait till literally pick 400 to get your second second catcher. You can like, right I, right now. What you can expect, and this is what this is what this episode's about. What can you expect from the early draft champions? What you can expect is you can get a good. I think you can get a serviceable C2 after pick 350 and a starting uh, a starting catcher uh, yeah, is, yeah. Your, sec, your, great... your c2 your second catcher um after pick 350 i'd be i'd be very comfortable with a number of them um you can like just 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 going to looking at Jan gomes he's he's in washington he's at least going to get like half that playing time and he's got some pop he's going on adp 403 like even if you whiff on like the catcher even if like he could be your your third catcher. Oh, I agree. He, As I see a lot he, of guys down here. I mean, are we a hundred percent sure that Sam Huff isn't going to do? Isn't going to be better than Travis Dernod? Are we a hundred percent sure that uh, Jacob Stallings isn't going to be just as good as? Uh, Pedro Severino or, yeah. or even better than Sanchez. I mean, that's the thing. It's the trade-off. And, and like we talked about earlier with, with pitching and hitting, pitching versus hitting, with, with a catcher around pick 150 that could be really good, but you don't know, and a catcher around pick 350 where it's almost the same situation with just a slightly lower ceiling, uh, take the discount. Okay, Victor Caratini. I don't know what his ADP was last year. But his ADP in these three drafts is 489, almost pick 500. He, wow. he exceeded expectations this year, in my opinion, because of playing time. And I don't think the DH is going to go away in the National League. If it does, then obviously it's a different story. But, like, they're giving him playing time. That batting lineup is not good. Like, the, he, he might be one of their top nine. He probably is one of their top nine hitters. He only had one home run this year. But I think he had like a, a fair amount. I think his home run for a bat was a lot higher than he did before. It could have been. It's a small sample size this year for whatever reason. I think he got more more pop than what he showed this year, and that's probably what's driving his price down a bit. But that um, what's his name? Caratini at pick five hundred. That's like like he like if you're if you're gonna if you're gonna sell out a bit for other positions and wait on catcher, he's a nice he's a nice little compliment to your to your catching. Um, your catching that's a, cross, whatever you want to say, right? That's a great call out. And you can even probably get him for now as your catcher three. I mean, oh, easily. In, draft, in draft champions leagues, this is important stuff to know because you're, you're going to want to draft three or four catchers. Um, you can get Mike Zunino. I know his, he's going to tank your batting average, but I mean, pick five ten. He's a starting catcher. <laughs> so yeah. there's a lot of value down there. Yeah, I'm just looking down this list. Um, now on Caratini, I I do have to say I was looking at this one player and this one player he hasn't been drafted yet in any of these drafts. But um, Miguel Amaya on the Cubs. This is this is this is my own, the only shade I can throw on Caratini is that he's a way better hitter than Caratini is. 
he's he's in the minors. I don't recall. I think he might be high A or double A, but like you got to extrapolate what he would have like his progressions. Like play, players are getting called up from from high A like last year. So because gotcha. they just they just don't have the means to develop them. Um, so just because a player hasn't played double A doesn't mean they're not going to be in the major leagues this year. That's what you got to look at. So he's he's a prospect on the Cubs that like he could he could see some playing time this year. Like I know like Contreras hits the ball a ton and Caratini's been very good. So it's going to be tough for him to, he might need an injury, but if they can put Caratini somewhere else, maybe, maybe they put him as a DH. I don't know. Um, but he's, he's just someone in the back of my mind right now. There you go. I mean, you might get him in round 50. So it could, I don't know. I, I just haven't had the, I haven't been able to justify taking him yet, but he's somebody that's sort of still on my radar and there's going to be players that are, that go, that are, that are going undrafted, um, forgotten players. And this is the last thing I want to get to in this podcast because I know we're running a bit late, but sort of forgotten players. And then I still transition for that. Like one of the players um, that I'm going to talk about didn't even get drafted. And I'm, I'm, I'm stupid for not drafting him because I had him on my, like in my list. And I just, I guess I'm doing two drafts at once. And I just sort of forgot, forgot about him in one of the drafts. And that's Emmanuel Clace. Um, so he actually went undrafted in one of these draft champions with all good players in it. And uh, you don't, you just don't know where they're going to go. You got guys like Trey Mancini, injured guys and suspended guys. You got um, Domingo Herman, uh, Clace, uh, Lorenzo Kane, Price, um, and yeah, did I say Puig and Mancini? I forgot if I mentioned them or not. But like, what do, what are your thoughts on them? Where do you think you're going to need to take maybe hit on a couple of them? Just sort of give it. I'll give you an open floor on those guys. Yeah, I mean Clase or however you say his name will probably. You know, I mean, he wasn't even going very high last year. Like, I'm talking about after pick 300, maybe after pick 400. So, um, it's not a bad pitcher to grab, kind of like I was talking about before. Um, just a relief pitcher that could get some saves or even become the closer. Uh, Domingo Herman has, has great talent. Um, I don't know. I mean, I would, I would hope you could get him uh, in round 20-something for now, but he's definitely the kind of guy who can get pushed up. And I, you know, he's probably worth more like round 13, 14, 15, right? Let's see where he's going. He's going ADP 278. Okay. So he's going in the late teens, but maybe he can get, maybe he will get pushed up. Um, but well, that, see, you know, a lot of these guys are in, a lot of these same guys are doing these drafts. And in the first draft, he went at pick 325. I got him at pick 325. And somebody, somebody said, oh, I, man, I completely forgot about him. They admitted in this chat. Then you, then you see him second draft, 270. Third draft, 239. So yeah. it, it is because you're playing against these. Like this is a small sample size of the ADP that I put together. And you can't, you don't take it for a grain of salt. You got to take it with a grain of salt for two reasons. A, because it's a t- small sample size. And B, because you're, play, you're drafting with the same player. So you see that the player, one player wants them, sees he went at a certain point, is going to jump in the next time. So, sorry I interrupted. You can. No, that's fair. I mean, D- D- Domingo Herman went in around 16 and even in the mock. So, I, I don't think people are going to forget about him. But, you know, he's the kind of guy that would at least be going in the in round, you know, 12 or 13 if, if not for this, um, if not for having been suspended last year. So, definitely an interesting one to keep a watch on. Uh, Mancini, it'll be interesting to see how he comes back. He, he went in round 15 in my mock. And let's see, he's going around pick 240. In yours, so that's about the, you know, that's 15, 
15th, 16th round somewhere. I mean, they, I think that's a real big bargain on Mancini if he's healthy. Um, and, you know, uh, we, uh, I don't know how to discount uh, something like that. I mean, if you, it's, it's not everybody that has cancer is the same, but <laughs> Carrasco uh, was, was great this year coming back. Uh, yeah. And so we'll just have to see. I, I think I, I definitely want to take a shot uh, with Mancini if he's, going in the 16th round for real. Um, uh, he was definitely somebody I was considering taking in the mock and I just it didn't, didn't um, make it up my board at the right time. But um, I think he's, he's very interesting. Puig, always interesting. Um, heard something about him playing overseas, but maybe that's just for the you know winter league or something. I, I think that's really someone you have to always consider because if he plays and if he plays every, every day, he's, certainly worth a pick in the top 10 rounds um and you definitely don't have to take him there right now because there's so much uncertainty so yeah i mean for, with Puig, uh, i don't know if i even have really an answer i mean i'd be i'd be waiting till round at least almost round 20 you know i'm going to be waiting pretty late on Puig because uh, it's just a dart throw at this point whether he even plays or not um and maybe that's too soon but the upside is just so obviously there yeah. He went – Puig went um, in the 19th round of my mock, and I, I didn't take him. So, <laughs> obviously, I'd wait pretty late. I took I took him in one of these drafts around 250, but I'm sort of regretting that. <laughs> Looks like he's going around 300 anyway. So, so maybe – Yeah. Maybe that's the right place to just sort of take a real dart throw if you get the chance. But, I mean – if I, if it's like between him, let's let's look at some uh, outfielders that went around there in the in, in my mocks just because I have the draft board up, so it's easy to look. Um, you know, Stephen Piscotti. I mean, you at least know you're going to get something. Robbie Grossman, Aaron Hicks. Um, these guys are going after him. Willie Calhoun, Brandon Nemo. I mean, you know. Do you want something bankable but not exciting, or do you want something very, very, very risky but exciting? So I might even let Puig drop a couple more rounds. I'm trying to look at where he went in these real drafts. Um, he went in the range of Austin Hayes, Canna, Hanager. It's another guy that we forgot to mention. Uh, David, yeah, Dahl, David, David Dahl. Don't forget about either of those guys. I actually took Hanniger and Dahl in my mock uh, in rounds uh, 18 for Dahl, 20 for Hanniger. I mean – No one's forgetting is, about them, man. Like they're, that is they're, very they're, – that's a, and even Danny Santana I took in round 21. And, and this is just so late that, like, I don't think the risk with these guys is as great as the risk with Puig. Uh, but, you know, you're getting pretty big upside here. You know, Dahl, especially in Colorado, could – hit close to 300, you know, with 20-plus home runs. And Hanniger, uh could hit 30 bombs, um, certainly 25 with a decent average. And Santana could go, you know, where did you, you, you get Santana in the mock? 21st round. He is not going before the 30th round in any of these real drafts. Yeah. people have. So that's a great example. People have just forgotten about him. I probably should have. I don't know if he's, he's hurt, though. Well, he was hurt. No, he just got surgery, and he's out for like eight months. Uh, okay, well, I'm an idiot then. I should have taken. <laughs> well, I, t- I, I, t- I took him in the third draft to pick four eighty four eighty seven. So four eighty seven is pretty pretty reasonable. I mean, he's going to be out seven to eight months. So where, when does that bring him back? So that would 
He's going to miss like April. Eight months would mean he comes back in June, right? Yeah. So he's like, no, he's, was, like he's, he's like no, Aaron Hicks from last year. It was seven. It was seven or eight months from September 9th. So he should be back maybe in May. Maybe. I mean, pick 500. We're talking. Pick 400 even. Yeah, I, like I, I took him. I, t- I took him at 487. So and then even after I took him, I'm like, yeah, I didn't love it, but. Don't do what I did and take him in round 21, but definitely, uh, definitely consider. I mean, like these are the guys that, the, that we're always talking about with draft champions leagues that you draft in round 35 and they end up, you know, giving you real production. So. Right. Let's, uh, let's end off the, let's end off this episode talking about something fun prospects. Where do you think they're going to be going? Um, and we'll go through them where, where um, in terms of, when like when they're drafted first one is Kalenic that's going off the board what he's a guy i can say like he's going around he's going around pick like 180 right now i will guarantee you i've been drafting for enough time that's gonna move up significantly so if you, want do you Kalenic, think he if you want do you Kalenic, think he moves up to though like as far as you don't you don't have to predict where he's going in march but like in 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 january where do you think he's going to be going because like i don't think clinic unless he gets the the luis robert deal where he's almost guaranteed to start from opening day does he get does he get out past the eighth round um maybe eighth ninth no i don't i don't think so not in january but. Yeah, I mean, so if, if I'm assuming, as I am, that Kellenic should be up maybe late April, um, we'll do a little manipulation. And uh, But, yeah, I mean, he could be a game changer for five months, and I'll take him in the 10th round. Um, I, you know, I didn't. He went in the 12th round in my mock, so it's not like I'm not going to take him over certain players, but I'm yeah, certainly going to be considering him in that. Yeah, I'm going to consider him in that range, I guess. Right. Like if Hosmer had not been there, when I made my pick on the eleventh round, I might have taken Kalina. Right. Yeah. No. I got in the same way. Um, I, I feel the same way. Um, uh, next guy, and I don't know who's going to go first between these two guys is Andrew Vaughn and Wander Franco. I think I think the money's on Andrew Vaughn being up sooner. See, I'm not. I'm not sold on Vaughn being up sooner. Um, well, so so I mean, so obviously they've got a Brayu, right? Um, they can move him to DH. I guess Encarnacion's gone. gone. So, yeah, I mean, it's certainly an option for them. I just, I'm not, I'm not certain that I'm willing to pay up for that. And I also don't really know what Vaughn's floor is much, much less his ceiling. I just feel like it's a, it's not, he's not at the level of a Kellenic to me or even close. Yeah, he's pretty good. Um, I think like, (laughs) Long term, like I think they're like from a dynasty perspective, I think they're pretty close. Let me uh, check my my projections. What do I have for Vaughn? Oh, I haven't I haven't <laughs> been even added him yet, so that's gonna put that on the to do list. And then there's also well, Vaughn sort of reminds me of Torkelson on the on the Tigers. And I'm sort of jumping jumping the gun here, but he's going a lot later. Um, let's see where he's going. Is Torkelson even? Likely to be up this year? Um, likely. I don't know if that's the right word. He's okay. going – he went as early as pick 389, but he's also got his latest pick 620. So there's a huge range for him. Yeah. So obviously at pick 500 or 600, I have no problem with it. But, you know, I, I think there's probably somebody better you can find around pick 389 personally. 
Yeah, yeah, I don't think – just given the risk, like the tires – Less risk. Yeah, I didn't mean better. I meant less risky. Yeah, like – yeah, I think he's a later – he's a late – like definitely after pick – after around 30 pick. Um, Wander, Wander, like I, I ended up taking him in one of these drafts, and it all it's all like – it's all like how your team construct is, I think. with like, He's going position. just a little after Kellenic around pick 200 or so. Yeah, he, but I, I actually took him. I took him at 186 in one of these drafts, which is early. But it, it but it was a draft where I was really like light on middle infield. Um, mm-hmm. So I ended up jumping. The, I ended up jumping the gun on him and Vidal Bergeon, both Tampa Bay Rays middle infielders, um, sort of to hedge my bet because I didn't like the way my middle infield was shaping up. So I ended up taking them, and I took them earlier than I really would normally just because of how my team was going. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting. I, I have to be a little more um, scared of them because of the Rays, right? Yeah. And that's another reason why you, you sort of wait on Nate Lowe because they, you don't know what they're going to do. Um, another guy, uh, he'll be a rookie next year, is um, – I'm going I'm to make sure I'm getting his name right. Ah Seong Kim. I'm not familiar with that name. He is a shortstop in Asia and Korea. Oh, yeah, I have. Yeah, He's going to be here. posted. He's 25 years old, and you never know how it translates, but he's going ADP 275, and he hasn't played a single game in the major leagues or in the wow. major leagues. What's, what's his profile? He is, like, um, high batting average, like, in Korea, he's like a 25-25 guy, tons of speed, like tons of poverty. You watch any videos on him, great defender, um, would be an everyday shortstop. I just don't know how his – I don't know how those stats are going to translate um, into the major leagues and like what, what team he signs on. It's all going to be – it's really a wide range of outcomes, but I think he does have a high floor. So mm-hmm. I think him going to pick 300, like – he could give you a floor close to like a DD Gregorius, but there's a lot, there's got to be things that still fall into place for that to happen. Right. Which are, are likely to be happens happen. So he's a guy that I could see really rising up boards um, come draft season. But right now, before he is actually signed it, it's sort of like that out of sight, out of mind thing where, you know, like, you know, it's going to happen, but people aren't willing to pull the trigger because they're still, um, um, feeling out what everyone else is doing in the draft, and they they feel that you might you might value him. Like there's a, there's a the outcome, his outcome being a very very solid player and giving you top 200 value is very likely. But people are un- unwilling to pull the trigger there because they know everyone else is sort of um, thinking the same thing as you and going with the fact that he's not been signed yet. Yeah, I mean, I, I would probably push back a little against it's the the likelihood that he gives you top two hundred value, just because I'm thinking of Akiyama and Sugo this year, who who probably didn't, and um, you know, we, a lot of it depends on where he signs. So if he goes to the Dodgers or the Rays and he plays and he gets you know three hundred and fifty or four hundred at bats, then uh, his value is going to be a lot less uh, in fantasy. True. True. So, I, so yeah, if, if he was going around pick 500, I think you really have a gem on your hands. But if he's going, you know, pick, what would you say, 275, 
then I'm probably not super interested. Right on. That makes sense. Um, I'm trying to think what other prospects we can touch on before we sort of cut this off. Um, well, I think I might've said earlier, like, Pitching prospects, whether it's McKenzie Gore or even, you know, guys that are going, you know, anywhere near the top 20 rounds, I'm probably just out on. I mean, yeah, what, I agree. what are your thoughts about that? I just feel like you I, I've said any, that. You just I've said any. that before. I, I, in the main event, I drafted um, Spencer Howard, Nate Pierce, and McKenzie Gore on the same team. So I'm an idiot. I also got, McKen- <laughs> I got, I also got Casey Mize. I don't mind where I got him in the, in the, in the 30th round. That's just a fine risk given the fact he hadn't been called up and he got called and he got called up i think it's a win in my books but um it just never works out like whitley um pavetta josh james like those maybe not rookies but um, um also luzardo, yeah, luzardo in 2019 was a complete bust like like i'm trying to think of who, who other than other than mckenzie gore this year who else is getting pushed up in the in like the top well, starting? and and this isn't exactly about prospects uh but well, i guess it is lizardo was kind of a bust this year i thought you know so if if, oh, he was. if you're if you're getting a guy uh that's that doesn't have a track record in the major leagues you know i mean what was he going like eighth round seventh round i mean like that's crazy and so i i mean to me He's going than that. yeah we're, we're not saying don't take your shot and pick in round 30 or 40 or after we're just saying while you can, you need to grab pitchers who will be pitching in the major leagues and you have a reasonable idea of what you're going to get from them. Yeah. I'm trying to go through this list and see, well, I'm just looking at Stroman. He's another guy that's out of sort of out of sight, out of mind. He's going to pick 286 on average. What do you think about yeah. that? I feel like that's where he usually goes. Maybe, maybe a round or two later, but I mean, I, I don't think that's a bad value, but I'm I'm never excited about drafting Stroman, but if it's between Stroman and McKenzie Gore, I'm going Stroman every time this year. I haven't always done that in the past, but I think that's the right move. Right. Um, trying to look at anyone like there's no this year. You don't really see, you're not seeing that yet, but I think you you might see you might see it happen closer to March where, where pitchers with no MLB experience start going in the top 300 picks. Right. I don't they see will. any. There I don't will be see someone. anyone. I don't – yeah, there's always someone, so I don't see anyone right now other than Gore. Yeah, I don't know who it will be, but let's just think about who it always has been. So, you know, it was in the early teens rounds in 2019, it was Paddock, and then this year it was it was probably Mackenzie Gore, you know. And Pearson was getting uh, into the teens. Spencer, Spencer Howard, Howard. Was, was getting into the te- – so, yeah, I mean, there will be those guys, and I'm just telling you now that I'm I'm completely out on them. And then, of course, if there's any, like – if like let's say Mackenzie Gore, it's announced that he's going to have the job from day one, and he gets the Lizardo treatment from this year, and he's going in round seven or eight. I'm I'm even more out, <laughs> you know. Like I, yeah, he may be the he may be the greatest thing. Uh, he may be a top ten ace from the day he sets foot on a on a major league mound, but he's not going to be on my team. You know, I, I wish him the best, but like I just can't pay for things that I haven't ever seen. <laughs> Yeah, I've, I'm, I've, I'm learning that. So I think it's a, it's a, good, lesson. Yeah. It's a good lesson to end off on. I think you might see, you might see, you, you might see Matt Manning move up a lot if he's um, similar, similarly yeah. to Gore last year. He's uh, a guy I'd love to grab, in, you know, in round 30. But you're right, he's probably going to move up. He's also hurt. Like, he was also hurt at the end of last season. Oh, really? Which is pushing him down even more so. Like, he's gone 
Let's see. Sounds like doing. I'm behind on my news a little bit. I need to need to catch was, up. On that's why they, that's why he was. That's why they ruled out the possibility of him getting called up last year. He went at six twenty five, four forty eight, and five hundred. I'm glad I still have a few days to prepare before these draft champions. Cause you don't, <laughs> don't have to jump be, in right away. I don't need to be uh, taking him in the 25th round or anything. Yeah. So he's, he's a guy that could get moved up, but, um, but there's a time. I wasn't going to do that anyway. I'm just saying like, yeah. you, you really have to, that's one great thing about draft champions to me. When you have, you know, 30 minutes or an hour or two hours to make your pick, you can, make sure you don't do anything stupid and go look up the Roto world, you know, news on the guy. So. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, um, I think, we'll, I think we'll call it quits there, but. Um, awesome. Well, it's been fun, man. Thanks for talking. I know we went long as usual, but. Um, <laughs> Can't really help it with uh, when we get into this stuff. It's just too fun to talk about. Exactly. Well, uh, I guess remind everyone where, where they can find you. Common Sense FBB on Twitter, and it's the Common Sense Fantasy Baseball Podcast. All right. All right. Well, thanks again. And I hope this episode was helpful in terms of what you can expect Um, going into the early DCs with no ADP um, and sort of what uh, what we found by uh, being sort of the lab rats going in early. (laughs) So, um, yeah, hope it was helpful. Anyways, um, I'll catch everyone later, and uh, I'll – Talk to you soon, uh, Drew. Thanks again. All right, man. Thanks a lot. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye.